With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The Glasgow-based podcast that has a target in the city for North Korea in mind. This week on Heart and Hand, where now? Where now? Well, we'll tell you where now. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar and I'm joined this week by former chair of the Rangers Supporters Trust, uh, trade union firebrand and all around good egg, Mr Stephen Smith. Hello Stevie. Hello David, very good to speak to you. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you feeling after your 750 mile round trip to see Rangers uh, limp to defeat on Saturday? Oh, suitably chastened, but uh, it gave me plenty of thinking time and uh, I've got the solutions to all the world's problems. Anti-Rangers problems and basically, you know, it involves it does involve a nuclear strike at the east end of Glasgow. But you know, I don't want to share that with your viewers just at this particular moment in time. A targeted nuclear strike. Let Let's not make or it. Quickly targeted. Yeah, subjectly targeted. Yeah. Let, let's not make it sound as though they were calling for for just random attacks on people. You know. I'm well, not saying. By well, the way, that's what uh, that's what Celtic fans do. No, yes, no. exactly. It's, it's, uh, and uh, if you know, if you want to randomly attack people, choose your targets carefully. But uh, no, yeah, <laughs> uh, one of these weeks where you don't really particularly want to talk about the game, but that's uh, that's what we're going to do and try and break it down for for punters and try try to do so in a sensible fashion because it is very difficult when emotions are running high, and emotions were certainly running running high on Saturday. So. Sadly, uh, we lost 2-0 at home to Celtic on Saturday. Um, injury hit team uh, lined up with Lee Hodson, who I currently says probably third choice full-back at the moment. Uh, he, he played at left-back. And uh, young Ross McCrory made his first start uh, as a Rangers yep. player uh, in the defence. So a bit of a, bit of a patchwork defence. For the opening 15 minutes, Celtic looked very threatening. Rangers looked nervy and understandably perhaps due to what happened the last time the teams played each other and the form going into the game, Celtic were getting a lot of joy, particularly through Roberts. Um, and we, we looked as though we were we were struggling a bit. But as we began to grow into it, I don't think Celtic had necessarily caused us that much bother. A couple of chances, but you know, that can happen. Rangers began to grow into the match without creating an awful lot. 
but did grow into the match and began to at least territorially move the match up the park and certainly begin to to frustrate them. Had a, a call for a penalty turned down, uh, one that was so much a penalty that watching it back, Andy Walker said it was a penalty, but we'll come to Craig <laughs> Timson later. And Aye. then we were a bit wary about what would happen in the second half. And unfortunately, we couldn't get through that key period for us, the 45 to 60 minute period. Um, we gave away a really, really bad goal. It was a really bad goal. Defensively, we've had three chances to clear it. And yeah. again, we talked about this actually on the pod on Friday, that one of the problems with Rangers defending at the moment is, is it's not just individual errors. It's usually compound individual errors. It's usually two or three players make an error. And that's what happened there. That obviously changed the dynamic of the whole match. Although Rangers did rally... Um, for about 10 minutes or so and we're by far the better side uh, Craig Gordon's made a good save from Alfredo Morelos Josh Windass a shot that's just gone past the post however Celtic then with the pace that they have and the passing from midfield they hit us on the counter uh, the spastic morph got in and scored the second and that that, that was us unfortunately and, and you know after that I think something that kind of grated on people but possibly understandably is that after that Everyone knew that that was it finished when the second went in. Yeah. Oh, aye, aye, totally. You know, um, you could you could have put the kettle on for that, uh, and it was just a question of whether we kept it at two 0 uh, or whether there was more. Um, I mean, one of the things that puzzled me, David, I was I wasn't really very clear about what we were actually set up to do because it looked like we were leaving Morelos up front and then nominally a five man midfield. But my problem with that was that if you're going to play five five men in midfield, then that has to be solid and by definition is there to be to be difficult to pass the ball through and move through but we but we weren't Celtic created in that first half alone they created I counted half a dozen decent scoring chances and I think if they'd been a bit more clinical we'd have been looking a bit of a pace in so I was a bit concerned that, that having set up that way we were far too deep and we gave them far too much of the ball Boyata and Simunovic I think had time to Pick passes, and at one point, both of them were in our half, passing the ball. That's how deep we were in that first half. Uh, and they're a better passing side than we are, uh, and any any half-decent passing side was going to hurt us. And all it takes in that scenario is one man not to pick his runner up, uh, or a, or somebody to go to sleep temporarily, or, you know, they've, they've got genuine kind of pace and trickery up front in, in the shape of Roberts and Sinclair and Griffiths as well when he's got the the, the ball uh, the ball at his feet. Uh, so we just didn't push them far back enough and that left them with five and six in midfield and people running behind us. So it, was, it wasn't very well set up and we kind of invited them to have it, as you said, that first 15 minutes and, and set the tempo for the game. Whereas, you know, I'd like to see this stretching the air a bit more, pushing up a bit more and rattling into them with a few tackles because we were far too polite uh, in the course of the game. I think Pedro had, by accident, clearly rather than design, had created an issue for himself with he couldn't win uh, unless the player had a significantly great game, which neither of them did, with the Peña yeah. and Miller issue, which was yeah. he played Peña and I think the idea was as you say, to be a a four four two, he could be the link man, or a four four one one when we didn't have the ball, and he would be the the link man, uh, and then he would drop in and make and make us a five when Celtic were attacking at us. Unfortunately, he he couldn't link with Morelos, and Morelos looked isolated, hugely isolated. Yeah. But we didn't 
then get the benefit either of him going back in and helping us solidify in the middle of the park. And he looked no. he looked fairly lost, unfortunately. And then Miller came on and couldn't really get into the game either. Set up a chance, but apart from that, there was a lot of running. He's not in form at the moment, Kenny Miller. But no. I, I saw after the match people saying, well, Miller should have played. And I just I thought, personally, that unless one of them had a really good game, that there was no way to win because had Miller played and Pena hadn't, the criticism would have been reversed. I think that's that... exactly right. Exactly right. The same folk calling for Miller went on would have been the very ones telling you that he hasn't kicked a ball for us this season. And to be to be fair, he, he hasn't, hasn't been no, very good. And, and to be honest, to be honest, Dave, you're looking at that subs bench. The player who should have been on that part who wasn't was Jason Holt. Jason Holt would have been ideal in that game. His energy, his positional discipline, his defensive capability would have been ideal for for closing them down and shutting them out a bit more. But instead, you know, we, we kind of looked lost. And the other thing, that, and, and you know I've been going on about this for weeks, that's really hampering us is the fact that Graham Dorans uh, looks like he's towing a caravan at the back of him. You know, he looks slow, heavy-legged, and nothing like the player that we know he is having seen that player particularly at West Brom he was outstanding at times for them and I was hoping I was extremely genuinely excited when he signed this season I thought that's the cherry and icing of the cake that's the player that will give us the creative spark and that middle to front that's so important in the game and to be to be blunt about it he hasn't done anything like that scored a couple of times at Fair Park and then since then I genuinely don't think he's kicked the ball for us I think we were caught between two stools and I think that we were neither fish nor fowl because I, I think that Pedro recognised that we had to be defensively strong yep. but at the same time he also recognised we're at home we want to take the game to them you know this is our patch and we should have p- players that are capable of hurting them so I, I think he tried to to get a balance that, that that would create and in the end it didn't really succeed on either front. You're right. Had we decided that we were going to go in and almost hit the old Walton Accio tactics and go four five one, and you know try to get them on the break or at a set piece or whatever, but be really solid and combative in midfield, then you're right. Then Holt should have started. Holt would have been far more use, just as you say, for his running uh, and his tracking. Now, I don't think, incidentally, before anyone gets in their eye horse about Jason Holt, I don't think he's a fantastic player. I just think that as part of a three where he had less responsibility, he he could have helped to close down space, close down players. Against that, it would have severely restricted us from an attacking point of view. And it also sends a message out, if you see the team selection like that, that we are going to sit in. And given that Celtic were so confident, which we saw in the first 15 minutes, who knows if that would have emboldened them even further. So it's easy to say that, but obviously you don't know. But had he then decided to play in a more attacking sense, he needed more from Peña. And the, the jury is... Well and truly out on on Pena at the moment, and I've seen good things from him. I think he's got football brain. I said this on Friday. However, yep. the he didn't look match sharp again, and it's it's a concern. I mean, it really is a concern because we have spent a lot of money on that guy uh, and Herrera, and at the moment Herrera is clearly not considered first team. Uh, he's clearly a sub and he's a very expensive sub uh, at this point. Pena has come in and I'm not quite sure the manager has found a system that fits him or a role that fits him. I think that the players we recruited in the summer were recruited for a 4-2-3-1. Yeah. 
However, mm-hmm. we've gone to this four four two, probably fell into it a little bit, and what you have there is a case of kind of square pegs round holes. And the reason that you're you're maybe getting frustrated like the Dorans, I think Dorans has been bought as one of the two, and yeah. yet he's he's been asked to get forward and do more, which is possibly something he's not capable of doing anymore. You know, he has in his thirties, and who knows, a lot of road miles on the legs that can sometimes happen. And I, I wonder, I, I wonder, wonder yeah, right. I just wonder why we have players, as I say, why we're not going to what looks to be the system and what looked to be signings for that system because that four four one one it didn't really work. You could see that the players weren't entirely sure how to do it. You you need your wide players to be the type who are aware of when to support, when to come in, when to hold a position. And while Candeas isn't bad at that, he's not great at it, he's not but he's not bad at it. Windass isn't Windass does not have a, a football brain and it, it was it was really evident on, on Saturday. But yet again, the the story of, of Josh Windass's career, yet again the uh the, the the odd flash but overall disappointing. I mean that that to me could be put on the guy's tombstone, you know, that's what you get from him. So it it, it was disappointing. It looked disjointed. They didn't lack for effort. I mean that's one thing. I suppose the other side of that coin is you should never expect a you shouldn't praise them and they're right. You know, people that say that are right. You shouldn't praise players for giving you their all, especially not in a match like this. And I felt that the Competed as much as they could, but mm-hmm. we lacked that belief, and unfortunately, it's a vicious cycle. The only way we'll get that belief is by getting results, and it'll be difficult to get results until we've got that belief. Yeah, the um, I mean, that squad that um, that our friends across the city had cost five times as much as ours, and the wage bill is double, and it looked. Like there was a significant gap in quality. I'm not sure they were five times better than us, but they were, they were certainly the better team throughout the game. And even when we were playing well, it was just that you know I, I kind of pushed them back a bit. But what we weren't doing in terms of what they did was create enough chances, and that's that's I think the key thing that's missing from whichever configuration of this Rangers squad is put together. David, there's not enough creativity. We're not, in my view, creating enough decent chances and particularly against a decent side we're not set up uh, to do it uh, I like actually like Kandias Russell and I had a bit of a disagreement about that because I've Russell Stevens' brother for those who are wondering so far. I, Russell, sorry Russell's my brother he was the other one that drew the short straw sat next to me in, uh, in Scott and his dad's seats while Scott was comfortably enjoying the delights of Harry Potter world uh, in Legoland and being a good father uh, and husband uh, well, my brother and I were watching uh, Rangers and being far too close to the Celtic fans for my liking. But the, I mean, that creativity is needed. I think Candace a decent player. I like the fact I like his energy and his effort and the fact that he tracks back and does his it does those hard yards as a as a midfield player defensively. It's it's good to see, uh, and I think he he'll be a fixture in that team. But other than that, you wonder where the creativity is coming from. Uh, in that team, and I was like I said, I was expecting that to to come from Dorans, and I think you might be right. You know, maybe the manager doesn't see him in that role because it doesn't look like we have the player, and uh, unless it's Carlos Pena and he's hiding uh, to play in that to, at the advanced part of midfield and be the person that feeds and links up. 
you know, he did it. And he did it now and again on Saturday, but nowhere near enough. And I agree with you. I think he looked, he looked a wee bit lost, and I was kind of surprised that he started with them. And the other thing is, David, you know, I mean, it, it cost a couple of million, maybe two, better, thick end of two and a half million. Any other year before before 2011, and if we'd bought a player for that, we'd be expecting him to be a squad player. Uh, and it's the fact that in our difficult financial circumstances, we've, we've spent, which for us is a lot of money, two and a half million pounds, and we're thinking, oh, well, you know, when's the product going to come? And I am, uh, I, I, ditto, I'm, I'm with you as well on, on Herrera in the sense that I'm looking for him to get more games and I'd like to see him and Morelos played as a two, far, you know, enough to give them a ch- an opportunity to see if they can form a partnership. Not sure if he's a, a genuine target man or not, but he looks to have the ability to at least hold the ball up. Morelos does as well, he's got the edge. But um, So the, the two things I would say, above all that we were missing Saturday, creativity and a bit of bite. You know, Morelos has got that. He's a dog of war. He'll put he'll put a boot in. But there aren't that many other players in that team that will do it. All our fullbacks are far too nice. You know, you don't see them doing what Kieran Tierney uh, did to Candace in the first half. You know, and putting his studs through him. Very, you know, very uh, abrupt challenge over in the Govan side stand, not very far from where we were. And he's a decent Tierney's a you know a decent footballer, but he's not prepared to get stuck in. And that was the same. That was the other thing that the rest their team snarly aggressive. They're a team that haven't been beaten for a season and a bit now, and you can see why. One of the reasons why they were far more aggressive than we were. Unpleasant, obnoxious, certainly, but aggressive as well. And we need to get some of that edge back. Uh, we're, we're far too nice. We are weak at fullback and. That's when we've got our first choices, but when we were reduced as we were to, I feel sorry for Lee Hodson and God love the guy, but but the more appearances he makes, then the sort of further down the list I think he goes. Unfortunately, he had a torrid, torrid time. He was up against a good player, but he just wasn't with it at all, and should have should have prevented the goal. Uh, I think that the the challenge summed him up. It was just the wrong decision done badly, and that to me kind of was his whole match. Tavernier defensively oh. struggles. He just does. There's no getting away from it. James Tavernier at times is excellent. At times, bringing the ball forward on on Saturday was excellent. But defensively, yep. teams know that they can get at him. And I think what's key about Tavernier's weakness is it's often the again without the ball or even without a man directly going at him. I always worry when a team is breaking down on our left hand side. Because his positional sense is such that he will very often not be in the right place. He doesn't seem to know when he should track in. He doesn't seem to know when he should stay with his man. And quite often yep. that, I think, exposes him a lot more. That he's, he's he's a better player with the ball at his feet than he is at any time that teammates or the opposition have it. And yep. I, I think we saw that. And it, it's an area that we need a, a serious, a serious upgrade. And uh, with all due respect to Lee Wallace, I'm not sure how much better it would have been had he been there. I think he might have done more in terms of getting forward, but he, yep. he hasn't been in tremendous form defensively for so long that I think it's legitimate to say that he also struggles defensively no. as well. And that's that's. Dave, I, I was watching. I was watching Tavernier particularly in the second half, and and there were there were long periods of that game where he where he had Sinclair marked really well and he, he kind of pushed them out of the game and I don't think Sinclair had a decent game for uh, for them because because for a large parts of that game Tavernier marked him out of the game but the problem with him is that it's a 90 minute game 
and you need to concentrate for all of those all of those ninety minutes, and you can't switch off at a professional level. And he just switches off. He just he will always go to sleep. Partick this was a classic example. Playing them all inside and effectively cost costing us two points. You know, with a midweek draw. Uh, I mean, that was poor defensively from everybody, but but effectively, you know, I I, I put most of the blame at, at Tav's door. And I agree with you. He's decent coming forward. He's quick. It uh, will make the spare man coming forward, and he will throw the ball in. With, with his crossings improved in, in, enormously, but I just don't think he's got the quality we need in that position. And I agree with you about Lee Wallace. That's heresy for a lot of people. But I think I don't think any of the three fullbacks that we just mentioned there I would have ideally uh, in a Rangers team. I mean, on the on the upside though, I think we we do need to talk about how good Ryan Jack's been and how unexpected that that has been as well. Uh, ah, it hasn't been unexpected no. from me. I said he would oh. be good. This is this no. is this is why this is the number one Rangers podcast because I'm on it. <laughs> and Ryan Jack to me doesn't surprise me as, as I've said before. I knew he was going to be a star for us simply because the sheep raved about him up until the minute that we were reported to be interested in him, in which case right. he suddenly became shy, and I was like, nah, he, he must be good, um, uh, because that's that's exactly the attitude they would take if they were worried about us getting him. Uh, you're right, he's he's calm, he's composed, he he doesn't try to do things he's not good at, and I, I've heard, I know Ali McCoy spoke about this on he, uh, when he was commentating the other night, but he'd like to see him do more attacking uh, with his passing or be more attacking I wouldn't because that's not his job and there should be players on the side that are capable of doing that if he's there to cover them all the time to give them that that option he's so good at helping us retain possession when we would and as I said we have players who are very guilty of running into trouble and running into blind alleys he's very good at being there to guide them out of it safely and I, I just really like I just think he's a cracking player and he's somebody who to me screams long term captain yeah agreed uh, he's a good tackler uh, his pass completion rate is very very high he recycles the ball and he, keep, he keeps it moving you could see him playing in, in a better Rangers side than this one you know he could I think he, he would be good enough to play in some of our teams from five, six, seven years ago, he is he is that good, and I'm extremely impressed by him. And I think that's the the problem in this Rangers side is that there are um, there are Jack uh, Jack would uh, is an excellent sign, and I've like I like Candias Morelos as well, uh, and I'm reasonably positive about Herrera. Uh, and, and you and I both, I think, are on the same page in terms of how good Ross McCrory has been. Not raving about him yet. He's only played two games, but. You know, it looks like he has, he's got the business. And he's that, he's that got all the skills. He, he really does. It's now a question of whether he can go on and improve on them. Because a lot of times, we've had a lot of kind of false dawns with the youngsters simply because they've broken. And I don't think this is unique to, to Rangers, by the way. I think that's a problem right across Scottish football. And I remember on yep. the Kevin Thompson podcast, which is in the archives, if anyone hasn't listened to it, although I think given that it's the record-breaking uh, most listened to podcast in Scottish history, most of you listening will have. But he spoke about that, that we get players through to the age of 18. That's not the problem. We're bringing through talent. Our youth teams are doing okay. It's that. They don't make that jump from 18 to 21 and a lot of them end up Reese McCabe is a great example Jamie Ness is yeah. a great example Jamie Ness, but yeah. it's yeah. not John Fleck yeah but yeah. It's, it's not unique to Rangers it's not it's something that happens right across Scotland the problem is is they get into a side and they stop developing which is bizarre yeah. it, it doesn't really happen in other countries 
I don't know whether it's attitude, I don't know whether it's lifestyle or whatever. What we have to hope from Ross McCrory is that he is capable of saying, right, this level has brought me to here, this level of ability. I now need to add another 20%, another 25%. I have to keep getting better in order to progress and, and go on and become the player that he looks like he can be. The past yeah. is littered with examples of guys who arrived and thought they'd made it. I, I personally think it's attitude because yeah. it can't always be that they, that's just how good they are. That goes against the norm of world football that players you know, with potential never go on and then go on to the next level. But in Scotland, it happens time after time after time. So what we need to... What I will say about Ross McCrory is his attitude looks great in terms of he was calm, he was composed, he worked hard, he listened to the senior players around him. He was better than Cardoso, who's also now in the kind of jury-out question, I think, after a promising start. But we we need McCrory to make that leap, and you're right. Let's not pile the pressure on him. We've done. I've done that before. I've sat on this show and raved about players. And uh, God, all those years ago, Reese McCabe was one I was convinced was was going to be a star. But I, I think you're you're totally right on on that one. Aye. The next the next Aye, thing. I think we're, uh, just just on the centre back thing, David. I think we're well served there. I think you know we got Alves fit. We got McCrory. I like Bates as well. And Cardoso, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hang him on the basis of one shaky game, even though it, it I don't was, think it's uh, one shaky game. I think it's four or five now. Aye, well, the, well, the, the the jury's out, but of the four, he's probably he's probably the bottom of that pecking order. But I don't think you know we're in the same position that we are at full back. Where I no, don't I agree with that. at all. I think we're well served there, and maybe we ought to think about playing a three, you know, to maybe accommodate um, accommodate three of those four. That's just that you know. I'm sure. I'm sure uh, Pedro's listening to this podcast and desperate for my uh, unprofessional fifty-something uh, only ever played at amateur level opinions. Yeah, but uh, if it, look, this is the podcast that won the 2011 League Cup. Right, everyone knows that. That basically yeah, after uh, after I, a, a bad defeat to Celtic, Walter just played them the podcast and they went out and won. I, so so never never underestimate the. Uh, Never underestimate the influence of the podcast. We touched on attitude. Now, yep. there are two sides to this, and I want to talk about this in a little bit of depth. Celtic's mm-hmm. behaviour on Saturday, both the players, the management, and the, the, the supporters, was, you know, I, I don't know, people might know the offensive term for Celtic fans, yahoos, um, but they might not know the genesis of it but being a literary snob and far cleverer than everyone else I of course know but it, all joking aside it comes from Gulliver's Travels by Jonathan Swift and the Yahoo's the Yahoo's were uh, a tribe that Gulliver met in his travel that basically communicated through grunting they just had sex constantly and ate and produced loads of children and whatever so you can kind of see why it's apt for the Celtic support and they were in full Yahoo mode on on Saturday. Uh, Griffiths is, as I say, the epitome of it, positive and negative. Now, the positive side of it is his confidence levels are huge and you, they have that nasty streak slash gallusness that we lack at the moment. Whether or not that... That's that will come from just winning games, I don't know. But you've got it there with him, the Lego eater... And the fact that they do get away with stuff that no other club... They're a protected species in Scotland because everyone knows that they'll go and you know start crying to 
Christ, every you know, MI five, CIA, Interpol, MFI, REM, they'll they'll fire a complaint off to it and, and make their life difficult. So they get away with, with a lot of stuff. The thing about Griffiths, and of course there was the, the wiping his nose on the corner flag, blowing his nose in a bit of teeth, a deliberately aggressive act mm-hmm. that are designed to wind us up and I'm not going to be wound up by them because this is a guy, you know, like I say, he looks like a spastic version of Morph um, by Tony Hart. You know, as if as if Morph's mother had afterbirth that had lived, right, and they decided they would try to kill it with a spiky golf shoe. That That's what the guy looks like. It's difficult to be wound up by that. And it's a guy with more children than brain cells. In fact, it's a guy yeah. with more convictions for racism than brain cells. So it's, it's difficult to be wound up by that. What I will say is, the thing that's easily, that, that, that can wind you up is the hypocrisy, where literally two weeks ago he was complaining about Neymar and saying, yeah. oh, after the game, Neymar was still winding us up. It's a complete lack of class. And you're yes. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. Well, we, uh, listen, David, if, if Lee Griffiths is talking about a complete lack of class, then we really should pay attention because he's an expert in that subject. And as you say, he's a convicted racist Ned with a melty Tweetabix in his head and a disgusting and sorry excuse for humanity. The problem, of course, is that he's actually a half-decent football player as well. And I guess for our friends across the city, that excuses all of the racism and all the rest of it, which, of course, in other circumstances, they'll tell you that they're virulently opposed to. Oh, yeah, you know, y- yes, of course. When you're calling Rudy Scatchel a fucking refugee or you're saying to people on Twitter, as I saw the other night, he was saying to somebody with an Asian name, go back, and I quote, go back to your own fucking country. You know, he's, he's got all the charm of a road accident. Mm. And uh, road accident, you say? We, we, we can hope. But, uh, yeah, but he is a good footballer and... Unfortunately, he thinks he's going to put us to the sword and quite often we let him. And in a simplistic way, and this is massively simplistic, but God, I wish we'd a Kevin Thompson, you know, or a Terry Hollock. God, I wish we'd somebody who in the opening minutes of the game would go right through Brown, would go right through Griffiths and go, fucking have that. And that's that's the first, it's not the last you're getting the day. And show... That we won't be bullied, and then if they can beat us through skill, great, fine. And they probably could at the moment, but it would yep. be nice to see them rattled. And I, that's my biggest problem. And guys like with the best will in the world, Hodson, Windass, no Tavernier, they're too nice, and they don't leave a glove on these guys. And yeah, as as for Celtics, Celtics fans and their behaviour, you know, I can't really, you, you can't expect them to behave in any other fashion because it's it's one of these you, I, I wish Desmond Morris could 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 still take a look at these things because from an anthropological sense the Celtic support I think is incredibly interesting and in that generally some of them are, are fairly decent if you meet them individually but you get them in a group and Aye. they do just go into full Gulliver's Island mode and mm. it's it's kind of bizarre and one thing that it kind of manifests itself as I'll get lots of comments. I did a wee video pod after the after the show, uh, after the game on Saturday because you know I do it after we win, so it's it, it, you know stand up and put it out there when we're uh, who we are when we are losing. But <laughs> I so I did one, and loads and loads and loads of Celtic fans were retweet uh, were were commenting on it, and I couldn't mm-hmm. figure out why why it been so popular. But then I, when I started to look at it, it was because they all follow me. And I'm like, how fucking bizarre is that? I would, I would never dream of following 
an opposition podcast. It just wouldn't occur to me to, to follow a Celtic podcast. But literally dozens of them did, and I'm sure there are a lot more than that. So, uh, David, David, just on just on that point, reevaluate what the, what happened on Saturday. Uh, both sets of fans had a banner that went the full length behind the goal uh, of a pitch. Their banner was about us. Their behaviour after the second goal where Brown and Griffiths having initially celebrated for about two seconds in front of their own fans went all the way along the Govan stand, winding pe- the Sandy Jardin stand, winding people up. That was about us. Their behaviour at the end where their manager was on the park and they were over to their fans as if they had won the World Cup. That's about winning at Ibrox and beating us. Bearing in mind that another section of this completely schizophrenic crowd of people would have you believe that we're a club that are only in our second season at the, in the at the top level, you know, and you don't exist, use a deed and all the rest of it. But yet when they beat us at when they beat us at home, it's as if they've won the World Cup. It's it's utterly bizarre. They are bad winners and even worse losers. And the thing I, the, I think the other thing that irritates me about them in a kind of uh, primal level is that they haven't got an original idea in their head. What did they do? They sarcastically cheered our players when they come up on the board. Well, we were doing that in the nineties. Uh, Tifo. The Blue Order did before, the Union Bears did before, Pyro, the same, singing our own songs back at us sarcastically. We did that. We were doing that in the 80s to them. You know, they have not literally not got an original idea. In fact, the only original thing that they did on Saturday was throwing incendiaries onto the park. And bear in mind, we know how much, from their songbook, how much they love random acts of terrorism you know, throwing throwing incendiaries on at innocent people. No doubt the Green Brigade will have a banner about that next week. Where you know we were stopping we're stopping Brit oppression with an act of mindless violence uh, up there are, uh, and uh, we aimed that at a black goalie, but don't don't hold that against us. You know, charming. I, I think Celtic. You know that we now have a track record of attacking black players. That's something that we've seen and of course they would deny that and uh, so at best it's coincidence that you keep attacking black players but uh, yeah, realistically it's, it's not yeah, yeah. but yeah. It, it, like I say it's, also, it's a coincidence of being up in, uh, in front of UEFA and being fined uh, by UEFA what is it 13 times 14, in the last 14 14 okay in the last six and a half years mm. It's it, oh, it, are, coincidence and like I say, it's difficult to hold it against them. I will say it's bizarre that they fight for those schools. You know, they, they fight to keep them open, but they, they, it's a waste. That's your sectarian bigot saying that, David. I, I don't, fuck. I mean, they, they, they've hung me for that one many a time. Um, but the, you, you know me, Stephen. I uh-huh. I have I I was married to a Celtic supporter. Uh, yeah. Briefly, and, I, and your dad's Irish. Your dad's Irish, but you're an you're an anti-Irish bigot. My dad's Irish, but I'm an anti-Irish bigot. My fa- I've got loads right. of family that are Irish, but I'm an anti-Irish bigot. No, absolutely. But I, I like when Tim's, you know, and and they're getting in touch with me. Say, I can't wait for your show, and it's like Tim, you know, <laughs> no, but getting in touch, say, ha ha, I'm going to laugh at your show, and it's like a download is a download, whether it comes from a real person or you, right? Yep. Whether it comes from an actual proper human. Or a Celtic supporter. It doesn't matter to me. Ching, ching. Keep doing it. Tell your friends. I could not be happier. It's a bizarre way of winding me up. Now, all joking aside, I think we need to look at this. Where does this leave Pedro Cachina? Because the problem that Pedro has is that, and I'm going to go both sides of the argument here before coming down on one, and I'll explain why. 
The problem that Pedro has is that the Rangers support didn't know who he was, didn't particularly want him, and have since really not had a lot of reasons on the pitch to warm to him. And with every result that's poor, for those who've made their mind up, and there are a lot, then it just further confirms it. And for those who are on the fence, or even those who are pro-Pedro, there becomes less and less evidence to be able to present in his defence. Now, I like Pedro, and I do think we are better this season. And listen, I've seen the stats. You can chuck the stats at me. You can chuck the stats at me from Saturday. They were very similar to the 5-1 game. I get all that. It's with my eyes... I believe, having watched every minute of every match we've played this season, that we are better. And I don't think we are far away from being a good side. I really don't. But equally, I do accept that, you know, Christopher Reeve was one vertebrae away from walking. Sometimes that that little thing, that that little distance is, is insurmountable. So I get all that. But I don't see the point of firing Pedro now. I just don't mm-hmm. I don't think it will help because you are then repeating the situation that you had last year where you're going to pitch a manager into a crisis. It will be a crisis if that happens and you pitch a manager into a crisis. What happens if he then goes on a bad start that is because of, if you like, it causes that are woven through that there's nothing he can really do much about. If he gets off to a bad start and then does he get dumped in January or... We, we then go, oh, he can buy his own players next summer, but he's only got six weeks to, to sort of gel them. And we then start hitting the repeat button on a fairly negative cycle. So I, I think that, in fact, I know, and people can people can judge uh, in the information that I've given them over the pod. I don't say everything I've heard from the club on here unless I'm fairly certain of it. So here's, here's something that I'm fairly certain of. At the moment, the board are behind Pedro and they under their view is that the start to the season with teething, teething troubles. It's a long-term yep. project. They think he is the man to deliver. They like the way he's going about his business, but they accept that results have been poor. And their view is, and this is a quote from inside the boardroom, the next eight games are very winnable. Yep. And I, So my view on it is that they are behind Pedro and that they have patience, but it isn't infinite. Now, I was heartened by the fact that on Saturday on Mark's website, uh, followfollow.com, the new one, if you haven't signed up for it, it's a lot better than the old one. Uh, Mark Mark ran a poll saying, you know, would would you sack him, would you keep him? And 74% of of respondents, of which, you know, there's well over a thousand, said that they would keep him. And I I, I think the fact that that came up on match day when emotions are running high, I think shows that a lot of our fans are very realistic about the bonus of it. About the, the 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 pluses and minuses of it, it's tempting to sacrifice because the new one will come in and do better. But I'm not sure that that works. And the other argument for doing it is, oh well, then are we writing off this season? We are probably not going to win the league this season. We want mm-hmm. to be in a position where we are more capable of doing so next season. So us not winning the league this season if we don't change the manager isn't a valid argument for it because unless Jose Mourinho comes in with 40 million quid to spend in January it's highly unlikely so I I would say that I'd, I'd probably sit with the board here that say we've got 
a lot of games coming up that are winnable. And I know the other argument, incidentally, and I'm sure people will be shouting this at their, at their, at their player at the, the moment, saying, oh. ah, but David, what's, what's showing that we can win these eight games? I mean, look at our results so oh. far this season. You are correct, but it doesn't change the fact that these eight games should be winnable. I'm not saying yes. that, the fact that they are winnable doesn't mean Rangers will win them. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that these eight games on paper for the team and squad that we have should be very winnable games. And if we come out of that period when there's 24 points to be played with, with about 12 to 15, and certainly any less, he's going to be under severe pressure. I think we're talking 19 to 18, 19 to 24, really, to get him out of this. It's not an insurmountable, it's not a task that cannot be completed. It's not one that the team shouldn't be capable of. However, I like Pet. I mean, I really like him as a bloke, and I sincerely hope that he brings success. And I do think we're a better side, but it can't, it can't go on, you know, indefinitely. And I think everyone accepts that. I get that no. fans get frustrated and that they want to, and they think that we must, we need to do something. Sacking Pedro is something. Therefore, yes. we must sack Pedro. And it's that yep. sort of irregular syllogism. And I'm not sure that that would help us at this moment. You know, what what, what we need, David, is, is what we're unlikely to get, which is long-term thinking in a short-term results-driven business. Because our default setting is to, is to, to and we're extremely proud of our history, and so we should be, you know, 54 titles in a European final within the last eight, nine years. And th- and that's, I think, the, the position that people still see themselves in. But I had a look back uh, the other night, actually, at the squad that we had, where basically we lost, and it has to be remembered here in terms of the trauma that, that Rangers suffered in 2012, we lost a £30 million team at a stroke. We lost... Sonia Luco, we lost Steve Davis, we lost Al McGregor, Stephen Whitaker, Stephen Naismith, Doran Goyen, Mo Edu, Nikita Yelovich. Almost all of those players went on and played straight at a very decent standard in the English Premier League. Well, Badoya, Doran Goyan, Sasa Papach went, Kyle Lafferty, and it's a Kyle Lafferty of five years ago, not the one that's struggling for hearts at the moment. And then and we replaced them with the likes of Seb Forey and, and uh, Argirio and Ian Black and Kevin Kyle and France Adadza. That was the downgrade that we had. And I don't think it's really understood and appreciated how big that trauma was, bearing in mind that we were then uh, losing at home to Annan, Peterhead and Stirling Albion. That we'd gone from a team that was a championship winning team and was doing reasonably well in Europe to scuffing around uh, playing at uh, places with a hedge on one side of the park, and even though we were still pitching up at Ibrox, the days that that was such a major setback, and we're still recovering from that. Well, because our friend across the city were just they were just doing a bit. They got a free run at for the, at that title for five years. Yeah. Didn't have to really invest any serious amount of money. They could carry having Ronnie Dyla for their manager for uh, you know for fuck's sake. That's how that's how bad things were, and they have just quite salted that away. They've got a decent manager now. They are financially a very long way ahead of us. And I think if we're honest, what we're looking at is a three-year plan to win the title in 2019. I would think it's a realistic aspiration for us to do that. We are not, absolutely not going to win the league this year. What we should be doing is gearing ourselves up to be far more competitive next season with a view to the season after that 
mounting a very serious challenge for the league and trying to win it in 2019. I'm not really sure whether a significant body of the support is the patience for that, but it is that kind of long-term project. And unless someone... This is this is the other thing. It, there is no correlation between a hiding appointment and success. No guarantee at all that we'll do that. We need money. We need unity. We need a wee bit of luck. We need a better referee than Craig Thompson for a start. You know, it's bad enough playing a team that are better than you without... And I, and I hope we want to talk about that because that was another shocker. But we need, I think, to be realistic. And I think we're in a slightly... I'll just finish on this point, David. In a slightly false position. In that we have we basically two, arguably three points cheated out of us by the performance of Mr Beaton in the Hibs game. And we, we threw two points away against Thistle. So I think a realistic true position would be third or arguably second. And I think we're there, but we're still. But you know, the fact that that we're having, I'm having to make that qualification, shows that we're not anywhere near where we ought to be, and we really have to be looking at second place. And I would argue, winning one of the cups, get to the final. Or you know, if we're not only beating one of them, that's one thing. But we need to be looking, uh, I think, uh, as a measure of success and some tangible progress. And final, final point, we need at least one, and I would argue two decent fullbacks in the January window. Um yeah it, it comes to the it comes to the stage with referees where the mistakes are so constant, you're right, that's at least five game changing decisions this season that have gone against us already. But yeah, Craig Thompson's a cheating bastard. You or I and the people yeah. listening to us can rave on all we like until the club come out and start to put serious pressure on them for these ridiculous continuous mistakes if they are mistakes in the, the beating case, I don't believe they were, then nope. this this is gonna this is gonna continue. But you you spoke about something there that, that's very interesting and I think it is something that we should address, which is that what happened to us two thousand eleven to around two thousand fifteen the only way that we could get through it was to keep saying it's a blip, it's a prison sentence, we just need to keep going through it and then we'll get back <laughs> to what we were. And yeah. we have, it was the only way to do it. And I totally understand that. I mean, we, we we tried to joke our way through it here. It was the only way to get through the absurdity and the horror of what we were experiencing and what was happening to our club. But yeah. the problem is now that we've come through and that you can't make, if you get hit by a bus, you can't convalesce any quicker because you're upset at how slowly the convalesce is going to take, or the convalescence yep. rather. It's it's not possible. We can't angry our way out of this situation, no matter how angry we get. It, it's not no. going to help. It's no. not going to propel us forward. It's going to make us make bad decisions, actually. Um, anger is an energy, as, as uh, John Lydon said, but it can also lead to very bad decisions. But I get it. But unfortunately, think of us as like a war-torn city. In mm. 2015, the bad guys were removed, but mm. the city had been razed to the ground. And our, if you like, comeback, our proper recovery only began in March 2015. And it yep. would be wonderful, it would be beautiful if it was all you know back to where it was before that. But it, it, it can't be. It would be the equivalent of going to Warsaw in 1947 and complaining about the lack of luxury hotels. You know, 
there are other priorities and unfortunately things take time and the rebuild will take a long, long time to... to, And I know people don't want to hear that and it is frustrating, but it's about our generation keeping believing, keeping turning up, keeping investing, keeping supporting. We have to do this for the next generation. I sometimes wonder if... Whatever God you believe in, uh, or none, uh, or spiritual deity, or whoever, has yep. looked at us and said, I'm going to give them 25 years of of success and highs and wonderful times. And then in return, they're going to have to go through this and take the pain for the next generation. And maybe that's what we have to do. And maybe our job is to just go, right, okay, head down, arse up, let's keep marching. And we're going to be the people who are there to help the rebuild. And maybe it will be the, the younger guys. Maybe it's, if you're listening to this, maybe it's your sons or your daughters or whatever that are going to enjoy it. I think we will win the league before this decade is out. But it will be yep. at the tail end of it. And unfortunately, us shouting, stamping, complaining isn't going to hurry that up. And that doesn't mean, and I know people are going to sit there and say, well, so we should just sit there and blindly follow. No, I mean, you can criticise, and absolutely, if Pedro isn't the man, it will be proven quickly enough and he will be out on his arse. But till then, get behind him. And I know how difficult it is. I, like, nobody likes Yahoo's being able to lord it up over them. Christ, they don't even like it. They would prefer if they were oppressed. That That's what they want. But... yeah. That, yep. that, that's why they make up being oppressed even though they're on top. I mean, they, they have a wonderful ability to think two things at exactly the same time, which is odd because on a lot of the occasion you think they've only got half a brain of a normal person. But mm-hmm. we can't we can't angry our way out of this. We can't pretend that if we shout loud enough, it will hurry it along. You have to give time time. You have to allow it to to happen. You have to allow our convalescence to, to go at, at its full distance to get back to where we were. And as you say, I think, and I think the problem is it's been going on since 2011, but definitely 2012, you know, that key point's been going on from there. But unfortunately, yep. so we've been having that pain from there, but unfortunately the recovery, the treatment only kicked in in March 2015. The rebuilding only kicked in in March 2015. So people have had double the amount of, of time that, if you like, the recovery has had. So... Yep. I know that we're frustrated and I know that we're hurting. And it's not pleasant when you see Celtic lording it up over us there on Saturday. I don't, don't get me wrong, it offends me as well. But we've been there before and we'll get there again. We have to We have to fall in. We have to keep pushing. We have to keep together. We have to form a phalanx and just make sure that everyone's together and facing out. And we'll take more kicks. But Jesus, at this point, we've had so many kicks to the balls. Bigger than losing a football match that I know that we can come through this. Aye. This 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 club's been through the mill a number of times. We where we are I think is equivalent to where I think Celtic were nineteen ninety three, nineteen ninety four. Um we have abs- I think my main frustration about that period you're talking about, David, is that we squandered the chance, a golden opportunity in the lower leagues to rebuild, we, we develop young players and actually get the core of a squad that, that would play and stay together. And there's all sorts of reasons uh, wh- why we did that. But it comes and it goes, and it needs to be to be looked at. When I started going to football, I was too young to understand what was going on. 
when I started going as a kid in secondary school, we won two trebles while I was at secondary school. You know, when I left the school, and it's no coincidence this was under a Thatcher government, I might add, uh, we had a very, very difficult period and we didn't win the league for a long, long time. We had the soonest revolution. It's more than 30 years ago now. And then we had a great decade. We had nine in a row. Then we had Celtic coming back. Then we had the Advocat years. And then we had a bit of nip and tuck. We had, you know, the odd year under Martin O'Neill and Alec McLeish and some really uh, interesting wins. And I remember, for example, going to... I was lucky enough to be in Monaco when we won there, Leverkusen and Eindhoven. We were winning away at places where they had 20-year unbeaten record uh, in European competition. And now we are where we are and we ended up playing, you know, we were scuffing around the lower leagues and we're now in a situation where we're not even back to being second in a two-horse race and that's tough and very difficult for Rangers fans. And I'm in my mid-50s, so I've, I've been, you know, it's been up and down like a roller coaster for me over my, over my journey, but this is part of it. Less than 10 years ago, we were in a European final. And now we are where we are. You know, it comes and it goes. You never know. It's a cliche. You never know what's around the corner. You absolutely never know. All we need to do is do what we can do as well as we can. And on the pitch, for example, that means being a bit more organised, a bit more competitive, a bit fitter, and doing as, doing the best we can. There's not a fat lot we can do unless the club does it about the institutional bias among Scottish referees and caught bias and incompetence. doesn't really matter if the end result is that we get screwed over. That's it's not going to be acceptable ever. But we need to stick together and we need to see it through. We need to, we need to start accepting that there are going to be, unfortunately, far a few more Saturdays like the one we just experienced where we're playing a team that are significantly better than us, cost a huge amount of money, five times as much money to put together as we did, and it will show. But eventually, we'll claw that back. I'm sure during the nine-a-year row, uh, nine-and-a-row a, a years, Celtic fans were looking at that and probably couldn't get out of bed in the morning. And look where they are now. To be fair, most of them didn't have to, you know, maybe. No, like, no well, that's die. Well, one, die. once a fortnight to, to sign on. Right, to but, sign on. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Right. Rest of the time, so it probably wasn't an issue. But mm. I, I think that there, there are three players available in January on pre contracts that we should sign McLean, yep. Walker, and Malt that we should, Malt. That we should yep. sign, right? Because, yep. and again, I'm going to be heretical here. Rangers need to go back and look at the only model for this that has proved successful before. I mean, you know, the best best predictor of the future is the past. And go back to that Celtic, the McCann thing of yep. you get the best talent from Scotland, the guys who are already doing it in the SPFL. And that goes against the grain for a lot of Rangers fans. You know, we automatically, a lot of our fans just go, what, is it Motherwell? Is it, is it St. Mirren? He must be Pish. Um, yep. And sometimes they'll fail. Sometimes they'll be Michael O'Hallorans. Don't get me wrong. But they are less risky and more likely to be able to produce and adapt quickly at Ibrox and especially when they're available for free you do what Burns did you get the best talent and you augment it with occasional sites such as a Morelos those type of signings are less risky they are less expensive generally and they will 
hopefully and usually more often than not produce at a, a decent level and understand what you need to do and, and what you won't get signing players you know from from the SPFL what you won't get is the kind of three four months settling in period that we're witnessing currently with with some of the players um that they should and like I say some will be overwhelmed and not fit the shot that's just a fact but if you're doing it especially the likes of you know three Bosman signings then you are getting instantly it's risk free it's not it's not going to cause you any hassle so that should be the model and then augmenting them with the Morelos's and the Bruno Alves's of this world guys that you can bring from abroad because they offer a different level of quality and a different level of experience and and just something else and that's what we need to do for a few seasons and gradually build up and understand that it's going to be incremental growth we are not going to go from where we are to winning the league in one season or one transfer window and I think that that unfortunately has been part of the problem for a lot of fans this season is a reactive element that in the summer we're going it's all about progress we want to be better off we want to be close to them we understand we're not going to win the league and then a bad start and everybody's going we'll never catch them now and it's, no, you, know, I, you, you knew, your, you know, you knew, but that—that's the prize, as John Cleese said. It's not the despair that gets you; it's the hope that even though you're saying all these sensible things in your heart, you're going, "Yeah, we're going to win the league," you know, get off to a good start and blah blah. So I do understand that it is frustrating, but we need to, we need to, we need to approach this with the same fervor, if not more, that we approach success, and we need to work harder right now than we did as supporters previously. And the last five years, God, they've shown if, if any support can do it, it's ours. Yes, yeah, there's no there's no doubt about it. We've got a really good foundation. And the, the, the best signing that Kashina has made, in my opinion, is Jack. Jack's the best signing. So that proves that proves your point, I guess. If, if You know, it's only one piece of evidence to do so. But I think it establishes, particularly that Moult uh, and Walker, McLean I don't know so much about, but I'd certainly agree that that's, that's where we need to fish. Uh, you look at how well, let's say, I, Armstrong and Griffiths have done at, uh, at Celtic Park, uh, and they were neither, particularly Armstrong, you were going, aye, well, whatever, you know. And, and, he's, and he's, there's also, you know, the, there's also a good ratio yeah. for the thing, Stephen, that Armstrong and oh. Griffiths did brilliantly. Mackay Stephen yep. was a total failure. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Christie was a total failure that's okay it can happen and you ship them uh, out but the ones that are a success you keep and you develop the side yeah yeah and if that, that becomes your model that's fine and, and you know we cannot in terms of the money the, the Neymar transfer has completely distorted every football market that we would otherwise have shopped in there is no question at all of us being able to afford a player from the English Premier uh, League that's gone completely mental. We can only look for for that to benefit us in terms of uh, terms of getting loan signings. And I think uh, I was I was sorry Declan John couldn't play Saturday for a number of reasons. Elton, and, Elton, no, Elton John, Elton John. I uh, I was kind of surprised and, and and disappointed that he couldn't make it because I think you know he had shown some flashes and I think he was useful. Um, I, I think. We need this. We need a reasonable. The one or two things we need. We need a very decent scouting network to pick up the odd buy. If we could pick up somebody as good as Morelos, then you know the world's the world's your oyster. We picked him up from uh, that was Jonathan Johansson's yes, recommendation, as I understand it. Yes, you know, it having was. seen him in Finland. So 
they are out there to be had, but but you need to be clever and creative and compensate for not having money by having good intelligence and by buying well. We can't afford to screw up. And I think that's part of the frustration with Carlos Pena, David, and that we've spent £2.5 million on him and we're not seeing what we expected for £2.5 million. Whereas, I said, like I said, five years ago, he'd have been a squad player and nobody would have batted an eyelid. Okay then, folks. I mean, you might think that we've been talking a lot of bollocks here over the last hour, and if so, you can get in touch with us. But we'd prefer it if you had enjoyed what uh, you've heard over the last hour and you want to get in touch with us and tell us. But either option is available to you. All you have to do is to go to Facebook, where if you search for Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, you'll find us. Or you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Rocks. That's R-O-C-K-S. And uh, I try to get back to as many... It's not always possible, but I try to get back to as many of you as possible. Uh, except Celtic fans, I just block you automatically because generally that you're kind of rude and aggressive and ignorant so to me so you know, would you talk to you probably not uh Stephen, thank you very much yeah, for joining yeah. us today any last words for the uh, for the punters i've got three words they are peace love and uh, th- this is not one word so it's three phrases peace love and a labor government oh, for f- oh, great thanks i've just given it my <laughs> details and now you're going to get and now I'm going to get absolutely. Please, please don't. Right, just, just please don't. I, I get that a lot of people. Well, I don't. I, I just. I'll ignore it as well if I get abuse, and I'm not on Twitter. Anyway, no, exactly. So That's what I mean. And now I'll need to get Dingwall on next week in terms of. Aye. I'll need to get Dingwall on next week in terms of. Uh, See, usually it's balanced because you've got me who thinks like you, and then you've got Scott Aye. and Mark who are Aye. evil Tory bastards. So it, it generally it generally balances out. I'd like to. Listen, th- they'll, be, they'll be too busy celebrating the results for the AFD in the German elections the other night. <laughs> uh, that that's not worrying at all, is it? That, that, Allegedly, that, that, that's not true. Mark, Mark and Scott can wear their favourite uh, their favourite Halloween outfits. Um, all that remains for me to do then is to thank our executive producers in London, Mr Mike Lee and Mr Paul Myers, to tell you we'll be back later in the week with a preview um, of Friday night's match. And just before I go, we've spoken a lot here about painful things and I understand that it's painful. I, I'm going through it with you. And it is difficult and we've all we've all felt the pain of everything that's happened to our club and we've all felt the disgust of what's happened to our club and the disgust at the treatment that we're getting but it has pushed us closer together and it has made us realise just how special this club is this club is the biggest in Scotland by a country mile and they know it that's where the inferiority complex comes from that's why they're unable to enjoy success at this point because they know that they're not us and at the end of the day we will come through this because we're too strong not to. We're too strong a group. We're, there's too many of us. We want it too much. It's, it, it's unstoppable. It, it'll take a while. But, but things that are worth doing often do. So just keep going. Keep going to Ibrox. Keep supporting the team. Keep listening to this pod, he said selfishly. Keep looking at that crest on your chest. And keep, re- and keep remembering that we are the people is not just a, a, a slogan. We are the people is not just a phrase that, that we, we throw out there at the end of a conversation. We are the people is who we are and it defines who we are. And it also shows why our return to the top is inevitable and will happen. Thank you very much for listening. My name is David Edgar. I'll talk to you again on Friday. <laughs> Thank you.
Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.